Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of this Wednesday edition of News on the Hill. I'm News Director Brighton McConnell, substituting for Andrew Stuckey this afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in as we broadcast for just a few more days from University Place in Chapel Hill. Looking forward to moving our WCHL and Chapel Borough headquarters right up the road to 1525 East Franklin Street in a few days. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We've got an exciting 5 o'clock hour to come with Representative Robert Reeves and Randy Voller joining us in studio later on this hour for the latest segment of Robert's Rules. We also have Art Chansky's Sports Notebook and lots of traffic and weather updates coming up as we get into the 5 o'clock hour. But let's begin with our top local news story of the day. We start over in Carborough as the town council met there last night. The meeting began with a lengthy discussion over a resolution proposed and ultimately passed about calling for an immediate ceasefire in the war between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Now, this is the first town government in North Carolina to pass such a measure, and this comes after Carborough considered a resolution in October pretty similar to this. They chose not to pass it then, and the language was changed a little bit this time around, scaling back some of its messaging and focusing more on the protection of life. It passed ultimately with a four to three vote. Now, that split vote total is not really normal for measures like this, but council members Barbara Fushi, Susan Romaine, and Randy Haven O'Donnell said they believe the measure does not fully capture the sentiment of the town's community and could leave some residents feeling like they were not represented by the statements being made. Mayor Damon Siles, Sammy Slade, Eliazar Posada, and Danny Nowell, who supported this resolution, all individually shared that they believe it is a gesture to protect innocent life and to lobby Congress to similarly call for an end to violence and more humanitarian resources in the region. Extremely layered discussion by the Carborough Town Council members as this issue is, and you can find their full comments about their votes on the resolution as well as extensive public comments shared by residents by going to the Town of Carborough's YouTube channel and watching the live stream of that resolution. We're working to get uh, that, that resolution shared on chapelboro.com as well with a link to the live stream of last night's meeting. Now, the violence over in the Middle East has also been causing tensions on UNC's campus. We've already seen at least one demonstration where both pro-Israeli and pro-Palestine protesters faced off with each other. Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz has also called a couple times for peaceful dialogue on this issue, saying it would be best to help students of all backgrounds continue to feel safe on campus. The latest public event is set to happen on Friday as a student group called UNC Students for Justice in Palestine has posted on social media that they're holding a march that will begin at Wilson Library at noon. The goal of this march, according to the group, is to specifically call for UNC to divest itself from any contracts supporting Israel. They have a couple in the dining services area and then in the construction equipment area as well. We've got another town council meeting happening tonight, this time over in Chapel Hill instead of in Carborough. Council members are going to be discussing the feasibility of extending water and sewer service down 15501 past Southern Village and toward Chatham County. 
this could potentially open the corridor for more housing, according to the people who have put this forward to the town council. Now, tonight's meeting and their their discussion of this is an extremely early step in the process. If they do decide to go ahead with this at all, Chapel Hill town is not only the the, the local jurisdiction that's going to have a voice in this, several other local governments and groups would have to sign off on this as well. So kind of the beginning of the road for this potential project later on tonight as the Chapel Hill Town Council is set to meet starting at 7 o'clock. Now, speaking of both Chapel Hill and Carborough, the town's placed highly on the 2023 Municipal Equality Index put together by the Human Rights Campaign and released earlier this week. Chapel Hill scored 100 and Carborough scored a 95 based on their inclusive town policies and services for the LGBTQ plus community. We've got a news article on chapelborough.com breaking down how they got those scores and also, of course, linking to the index that has more than 500 U.S. cities. Those towns got that score despite not having a whole lot of uh, help from the state government in terms of LGBTQ plus protections from the North Carolina General Assembly. One example of that is Senate Bill 49, the controversial Republican-led legislation titled the Parents' Bill of Rights. Since that passed in August, school administrators across North Carolina have been grappling with how to best comply with the new requirements for their classrooms, which includes a ban on uh, LGBTQ instruction and discussion of gender identity from grades kindergarten through fourth. But it's not just the districts, their administrations, and of course the families who are affected by the changes the law dictates. One Orange County Rape Crisis Center program is also having to stop some of its work in schools after its efforts for decades to help with children's safety. UNC Media Hub's Elena James recently shared this report. This classroom is hosting a Safe Touch lesson designed by the Orange County Rape Crisis Center. Safe Touch is designed to prevent childhood sexual assault by allowing children to build an understanding of healthy boundaries. Alex Mavrogenis, the Youth Education Program Director for the OCRCC, says that the program reaches more than 14,000 children each year. Safe Touch is a lot more about, first of all, developing an understanding of touch. So how do you know if a touch is unsafe? How do you know if a touch is safe? How do you know if something feels confusing? Where you wear your bathing suit is where your private parts are. Nobody should be touching your private parts unless it's a grown-up who needs to keep you safe or healthy. Due to the passing of Senate Bill 49, titled The Parents' Bill of Rights, Safe Touch is now on a temporary pause. Jessica Dreher, the Director of Student Engagement for Orange County, says the program has been a positive presence in her district. We're also teaching students how to be successful citizens um, inside and outside of school, and a part of that is being safe and knowing when things are appropriate and inappropriate. This program's public school presence came to a halt after the Parents' Bill of Rights went into effect in August. It requires public schools to notify parents of official changes in students' legal name or pronouns. It bans curriculums from including gender identity, sexual activity, or sexuality for students in kindergarten through fourth grade. The Safe Touch program is caught in the middle because it discusses gender and sexuality-based bullying and relationship dynamics in fourth and fifth grade classes. Carolyn Halpern, professor and chair of the Department of Maternal and Child Health in the UNC Gillings School of Public Health, 
says the bill isn't based in scientific research. Talking about gender, talking about violence, talking about um, consent, talking about negotiating conflict, just sort of, it's the whole person kind of approach is what's really needed in terms of, of promoting healthy relationships and, and healthy sexuality. The bill passed in August, just in time for the start of school. Mavrogenis says the vague language of the bill has left school districts to parse out what implementing this bill will look like in the classroom. So it may look different from district to district in the state of North Carolina. This creates a chilling effect. Andy Jinks is the chief communications officer for Chapel Hill Carborough Schools. One of the earliest requirements is that school districts, including ours, simply post the rights to our website. Moving forward, there are policy revisions that we have to look into. We have to look at making connections to various services throughout our local jurisdiction. Under legal advice, the two school districts made the decision to place a temporary pause on Safe Touch as they continue to evaluate what this bill would look like in their county. Given the pause, the Safe Touch program is taking the opportunity to fulfill requests from private schools, expand their online presence, and work to collaborate with community partners. What's really difficult about this news is that there's children who we would have been able to reach that I don't know if we'll be able to reach. It's the nature of this work. We're survivors and we survive. In Chapel Hill, I'm Elena James. Thanks to the UNC Media Hub students for that story. And we also have a alternate web version with some photography shared on chapelboro.com if you check out our news section. Again, that Senate Bill 49, the Parents' Bill of Rights, causing that change was passed with a Republican supermajority. That supermajority allowed them to overturn Governor Roy Cooper's veto of the measure earlier this year. Now, the North Carolina Democratic Party is looking for ways to try and win back some seats and break up that supermajority, but they face a new district map in 2024 gerrymandered within the last few months to continue supporting the Republican lawmakers in power. First vice chair of the state Democratic Party, Jonah Garson, recently stopped by our studios to talk about that. And in the conversation, he actually shared optimism within the party leadership about their chances in 2024. Here's what he had to say. The maps are re-gerrymandered. The gerrymanders are real tough, but here's what we do know. There is a very, very clear path to breaking the supermajority in both chambers next year. Very clear, even with some flex and contingency built in. And it's going to be an active fight to claw our way back from the void where we find ourselves now going towards 2030. But we can do it. We knew, we, we knew the sort of lessons of effective battleground states uh, facing the same sort of anti-democratic um, controls from the last decade. It's a matter of us consistently taking the pres prescriptions. Once again, that's Jonah Garson speaking there, the first vice chair of the North Carolina Democratic Party. He had a long discussion with our own Andrew Stuckey about uh, what the Democratic Party saw across North Carolina in the local election cycle just last week. Be sure to check out that uh, conversation on chapelboro.com if you're interested in hearing a little bit more.
We've got our traffic report coming up in just a few moments, but one quick note before we get there. The town of Chapel Hill is alerting folks that live or use Caswell Road that its west end is going to be closed on Thursday through Friday morning. This is the latest update in the Estes Drive connectivity project. Uh, Good news is it's going to be pretty short, as I said, just a one-day closure. Also good news, school drop-off at the schools along Estes Drive are not going to be affected by that Caswell Road closure. Chapel Hill said Caswell Road is going to be closing after drop-off on Thursday and then reopening before drop-off on Friday morning and then through traffic along Estes itself will not be affected any more than the construction on there already has. And time now for a look at sports. Not a whole lot happening today, but we do have two Carolina programs in action. One of them had an early start this morning as UNC women's basketball tipped off against Hampton at 11 a.m. for its field trip day. That's right. There were tons of local elementary and middle school students on hand to cheer on the Tar Heels for their 62-32 win over Hampton. Not a great shooting performance by Courtney Banghart's team. Deja Kelly, though, paced the Tar Heels with 12 points. Paulina Paris had 11, and then Maria Gakdang had 10 as your top three leading scorers. They got the job done, moved to 3-0 on the season, and provided some great entertainment for some kids there. You can find videos of the scenes inside Carmichael Arena with all those children by checking out our own Michael Coe's posts on X, formerly known as Twitter. We've also got a video of the students cheering on the team in his recap of the game on Chapel. Chapelboro.com. Carolina women's basketball back in action on Saturday as they host Elon here in Chapel Hill. The other programming competing today was UNC Diving. They're at their first solo meet of the year in Tennessee. Two-time NCAA champion Aranza Vasquez-Montano, as well as senior All-American Alex Hart, grad transfer Laura Phipps, and freshman Ellie Joyce, Carter Lofton, and Rodolfo Vasquez-Montano are going to be in action today, tomorrow, and Friday, competing against several other schools. Best of luck to them. We, We will keep an eye out for their results. Now, lots of Tar Heel fans are looking ahead to this weekend. There are plenty of big matchups still to come, uh, both in the NCAA tournament and in the football season as the regular season is winding down. Carolina, of course, traveling to Clemson to face the Tigers for the first time since last year's ACC title game. If you remember, Clemson won that one 39-10, largely behind the play of their backup quarterback at the time, Cade Klubnick, who won MVP honors that night. Since then, he has ascended to the starting job, and Clemson has struggled a little bit more this year with Klubnick under center. 6-4 and four is their current record, but they have won each of their last two games at home, and the Tar Heels are preparing for a pretty tough fight against Clemson's offense. As his unit prepares to face the Tigers' QB, here's what UNC defensive coordinator Gene Chizik had to say about Klubnik's skill set within Clemson's offense. Very talented, very athletic. I think he can do a lot of both, right? He can throw the football when he's hot and he's accurate. Uh, he's really, really good. On the perimeter with his feet, uh, he's really, he's impressive. He can get out on the, on the perimeter, the run quarterback draw with him. They'll use him in a design quarterback run game, uh, particularly when they get down to the, to the red zone. But I think he's really talented, and I think that um, they've done a better job here lately of protecting. Uh, they've done a better job of, of giving him time to throw, and they've moved him around some and given him an opportunity to kind of get on the edge and, and be productive out there. But, you know, the last two weeks, you can see that there's a, there's a definite means to the madness with what they're trying to do. They are you know, intent on running the football, and they're intent on having a controlled passing game, uh, and he's been really, really effective. 
Once again, that is UNC defensive coordinator Gene Chizik speaking there about Clemson's offense under quarterback Cade Klubnick. We'll see how the Tar Heels do on the road in Death Valley. Kickoff, of course, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. You'll be able to hear it right here on your flagship station for Tar Heels Sports. And if our... Uh, our special coverage will begin at 12.30 in the afternoon as Inside Carolina Live is here hosting perhaps the final broadcast from University Place here as we are getting ready to move our headquarters just up the road. Should be a fun time on Saturday.